As we move from ski season to spring, it's time to get those mountain bikes out. Most ski families use season passes to make skiing more affordable and fun. If your family mountain bikes, there's a new way to save on those adventures too. Make the most of spring and summer in the mountains with Lone Pass, the premier North American mountain biking pass. Lone Pass gives you over 60 days of access to some of the best mountain biking destinations across the country. Use discount code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's Lone Pass today at LonePass.com. That's L-O-A-M-P-A-S-S dot com. Lone Pass is available in two versions, for kids ages 6 to 11 and the adult pass for ages 12 and up. The pass combines access to the most premier resorts, gets you into bike parks, and connects you to shuttle companies to get you where you need to be. It's the one pass you need to bring the best cycling to your family. Remember, you'll get two days at each of the resorts, parks, or shuttles, making the investment one that will pay off big. Remember to use code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's loan pass today. Welcome to the Ski Moms Fun Podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole and Sarah. Each week on the Ski Moms Fun Podcast, we share laughs and lessons from ski moms ranging from industry experts to first timers. Our guests share their stories and tips to help you and your family get to the slopes happy and coming back for more. You'll feel included, invited, and celebrated every time you join us. This week, we're excited to introduce you to our guest, Christine Coe, a music and brain scientist turned multimedia creative. Christine wears many hats, including writer, creative director, podcaster, designer, and of course, ski mom. Welcome, Christine. Hi, Christine. You can tell she's a podcaster. Look at that microphone. <laughs> Whoa. Sorry, it's a bit obtrusive, but... Uh... Look at her beautiful white home. She's also a minimalist. I know. I've been reading all the, the articles and the books and their podcasts and it's amazing. We've been a friend for over a decade. But I first met you, Nicole, when we interviewed Salma Hayek in New oh, York. That was the first right. time I met you. Sarah, she was fabulous. She kept calling us bloppers because <laughs> she didn't know the word blog. She's like, what is this blopping that you do? Uh, and she was so charming that we were like, you know, we're just going to roll with that. Christine was a late in life skier. And Christine, I want you to first of all, tell us the story of getting your family. It was a family affair. So tell us that story. We had a couple friends who had a membership at Haystack Mountain. It was a private mountain in Vermont. Um, we went up there and skied once. My younger daughter, Violet, was young, four or five. And I will say she was not super into it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first time and we sort of caught the bug. We had all the rental stuff. It was, it felt very overwhelming, but we persevered and just fell in love with it. And the next year was when we really started trying to put some trips together. That first season, you know, we went once one year and then we went two or three times the next year. And then we went five or six times the next year. And it just kind of built over time. And it is our very favorite winter thing to do. And I love, you are a very proud Korean American. And one of the things that I do want to talk about on your journey is, did you see it modeled in your family, like the love of winter sports as a family pastime? Oh, no. Well, I mean, I think the the big issue was that I'm one of seven kids 
classic immigrant family. We didn't have a lot. So there was no recreational anything that money was always incredibly tight. Time was tight. You know, we had a family bodega that I usually had to work at all the time. So no, I... It was not modeled. And, you know, it's really been a new family journey. But I will say, as somebody who has for most of my life lived in New England, I kind of can't believe we waited this long because I just, we just realized that skiing creates such a beautiful shape and anticipation in the winter. And when that was gone last year, it was rather devastating. <laughs> so it's been such, it's been so beautiful and such a fun thing to do, especially since my kids are six and a half years apart. It's the one family activity we can truly do together. And talk to us a little bit about your, your career and where you are in your um, career right now? I know you're a doctor. Yeah. Well, I used to be a music and brain scientist. I have a PhD in brain behavior and cognitive science. Um, I left that field about 15 years ago, around the time that I became a parent. And also my dad got very sick and it was just a point of evaluation, I think kind of crossroads. And I just realized I love working. <laughs> I love being creative and I was a good scientist, but it just didn't feel like the right fit for me. And I had started blogging. So my career on the internet really started with blogging. And over the last 15 years, it's evolved into writing a book and starting a couple of design businesses and a couple of podcasts. And you know, now this year I've been doing a lot of major media writing. It's just been such an incredible gift. So my days are very full. And so um, I actually, it's really lovely and fitting that we're recording on the day we're recording here tomorrow. We're kicking off our first ski trip. And I think that's going to feel like a beautiful fitting, like launch into the season for us. So where are you guys going? We are going to Smuggler's Notch in Vermont. It feels very, very full circle because Smuggler's, that was the place we went to. It was 2018. And that is where we truly became a ski family because Violet had the most incredible teacher when we were there. It was very quiet. I think it maybe was early in the season. So she ended up, it was supposed to be a group lesson. She ended up having a private lesson and all of a sudden, I remember turning around at one point while John and I, my husband and I were on the lift with our older daughter. And I said, hang on, is that Violet back there? And she wasn't getting off at the mid-mountain stop. She was going all the way to the top. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're doing it. So I'm really excited. It feels very full circle. We're going to go back, do the little mountain that we all were you know, skiing on for the first time as a family, and then go to the two big mountains. <laughs> You do so much work in the intentional parenting space, and I want to talk to you about how that overlaps with time spent outdoors in, in the winter. Absolutely. I mean, I think that it's very interesting because I think during the pandemic, when our worlds, if you think back, dial it back to a year ago, when our worlds were so incredibly limited that I think people really discovered again, how important outside is, <laughs> how important it is to move, how it was in some ways, it was the only thing that you could do was just sort of get out and move around. So as horrible as all of this has been, it was a really, to me, a very fascinating point of recalibration. And I think that when it comes to skiing, and this is why 
I'm just feeling incredibly grateful as we kick off our ski season um, tomorrow. I just feel like it is skiing for us takes things another level further because even when you're outside, you know, if we're walking around the neighborhood or you're doing things, you're still pretty plugged in, but skiing, the phones are stowed, <laughs> like aside from the occasionally occasional selfie at the top of the mountain. But otherwise, it's very free range too. Um, especially, I think that's one of the beauties of the sort of mountain experience is it just, it feels safe. Last year, actually, no, or two years ago was the first time my daughter was eight or nine and she was skiing. She had a little friend at, uh, we were at Bolton Valley, another mountain I absolutely love. And the two of them, these two little eight-year-olds were able to run off and go do a few runs by themselves for the first time. And we were like, oh my gosh, what is happening? So I feel like whether it's the kids, whether it's the adults, there's just a really special unplugging and intentional connection with nature that happens when you're skiing that it's really unique. I mean, you have to be connected to nature and the elements around you. Thank you to our sponsor, Kitlender. Kitlender is a fantastic option for those of us who are not yet regular skiers, or who live in warmer climates. Instead of dropping hundreds of dollars, you can rent your ski or boarding apparel for a fraction of the cost. There are ski and boarding rental kits for women, men, and kids. Kits are complete with a jacket, snow pants, gloves or mittens, goggles, and even winter boots. They have high quality brands like Patagonia, Arcteryx, and Spider. It's so simple. Pick out your kit. The gear is shipped straight to your destination. Enjoy it and then ship it back in the pre-addressed packaging right from your hotel. Please use the link in our show notes to support our podcast when you use KitLender. And now back to our show. The ski community has a very preconceived marketing aspect of that it is a young white sing per, single person's sport you know part of my mission has been to open their eyes to how many families are in this sport for the industry i've always been chipping away at the getting the marketing to be much more inclusive of black and black brown families and i think i probably overlooked the asian families in the mix so i do want to mm. talk to you about that do you feel like you're you're represented and that that community is represented in the marketing on the mountain yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think I get that sort of impression about the sort of single, maybe the single bro culture on on different mountains. And I think I think different mountains definitely have different vibes in my in my eyes. Like that's just kind of how it's been. I mean, really all of the places we have been have been incredibly welcoming to families. They have lots of great options for learn, you know, to ski and ride programs because I have always been Asian. <laughs> I have and have gone to school and grown up in places that have been predominantly white. I've always walked into any situation, restaurant, school setting, whatever. And I take a look around like it's it's not like a super heavy handed thing, but my eyes just do a quick sweep and I just determine whether I'm the only person of color in the room. And I think it's just an awareness that any person of color grows up with. I feel like I have seen more families of color on the mountains, which is great. And, and we did actually at Bromley, which was our la very last ski visit, some fun family photos with them because we were up there for a media trip. And my younger one was really cute because she was like, oh, do you think I'm going to be on some of the like some of the materials, like a poster or something? And I'm like, possibly. <laughs> so I think there is an effort definitely being made. And 
when I was organizing mom trends media trips before the big shutdown, I really was shooting for a 30 to 40% representation of non-white skiers whenever we would sign contracts. And one of the most inclusive places I have ever seen is Mount Snow. And I definitely always want to give them a shout out. There are so many black and brown skiers at that mountain. And I think because skiers of color go to that mountain and see themselves there, Mm. then they tell friends it is a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way that course, they are yeah. they're getting more of those skiers and ski families there. I think a little bit of effort on the part of the mountains and then just that little shift of putting them in marking materials, get, hiring Magic Mountain has the first African-American yes, head right. of ski school. But how amazing does that feel that you, you know, if you have, have a child to see modeling the best skier on the mountain, the best instructor on the mountain looks just like me. That's, that's pretty amazing for kids to see. Yeah, it, it is amazing. And I think, um, you know, Mount Snow has that magic of being, uh, their location is just spectacular, whether it's for Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York, I think that really helps like their access to just larger cities, which is fantastic. Now, how did you handle being in a city environment? You're a Bostonian and carving out the time, the budget to make these trips happen. I feel like every season we learn a little bit more, (laughs) but, you know, we've gradually, I mean, we have to do a lot of planning. It takes, we have now a teenager and, and an elementary school student and our teenager has two jobs. And so everything requires a lot more planning now. Over the years, we've worked on migrating from like, you know, the rentals to now I own my whole ski kit. Now my husband owns, you know, over the years, we've kind of tried to work on some of that stuff. But I think the very best thing, it requires planning. You have to kind of get your ducks in a row. But that also is like the great thing because it puts something on the calendar to look forward to. Um, This year we might do, you know, two, maybe three, and that'll feel super awesome after doing nothing. (laughs) So I think it's all relative. And I I did want to mention, we do a a fair amount of work with Share Winter and Boston has an amazing program that Share Winter helps called Yes Kids Boston that is a free program for kids to learn to ski and ride. And we will link to that in the show notes for families in Boston as well. So that is a great resource if finances are standing between you and teaching your kids to ski. Yes. And I believe I can dig it up if you don't have it, but I believe there's a program in ski that Ski New Hampshire has worked out to have really affordable tickets for fourth and fifth graders. I think there are the mountains, they, they love families. They love people. They want people to use and take advantage of these beautiful resources. And and they understand that finances are an issue for everybody. So they, I think they are really, really working on it. They really are mindful of the fact that they want to make it accessible for people. Let's talk about you because obviously you're very articulate and you are smart. I love your writing, but I also love that you gave yourself this physical challenge later in in life. And tell us about that journey and, and how it made you feel. You know, it's interesting, Nicole, we've had all these like interlapping interests, but I think that one of the most beautiful things that I completely embrace about aging <laughs> is that you can do anything at any time. I feel like when I was a, when I was a kid, I said, you know, I shared that uh, we didn't have a lot of extracurriculars. There were not a lot of activities. You know, the one thing I did do like many good Korean children was I played violin, (laughs) but I was really in that specific lane. I didn't do 
anything physical at all, like other than gym. And so, for example, it wasn't until I went to grad school and was 20 something where I started kicking the soccer ball around on the grad league soccer team. And then it wasn't until I had children that I started running and then I started actually enjoying running and ran some half marathons. You know, I decided to try tennis and then I decided to try skiing. And I think that has been really awesome because I think that there's so much negative narrative about aging and things you can't do and limitations. And while yes, I have like lots of physical sort of issues that I I am constantly working on. Um, I think that's the greatest thing. Like you can, you can pick up things at any time, uh, like maybe save gymnastics, not going to do that, but, um, uh, it's, there's just so much opportunity and, um, it's so important for us to keep moving as just both for mental health, for like our physical, like well-being, our happiness. And so I think that's like one thing I really, really love is instead of thinking, oh, I wish I'd picked this up earlier so I could be better at it. I'm like, I'm just glad I'm doing this now. And I'm grateful I'm doing this now. Let's take a quick break. Spring is here, and we know even after the snow melts, ski moms love to play outside. Skeeta, our favorite Vermont outdoor accessory brand, has you covered as the seasons change. This spring, Skeeta is celebrating its 16th birthday with fresh prints like the Pastel, Whimsical, and Plein Air collection. Our favorite pieces include the throwback headbands. This headband is made to keep hair and sweat off your face. The single-ply design gathers neatly in the back for maximum styling. Where it's scrunched or lay it flat. It's your perfect partner for any activity where you want a great pop of color and style with minimal fuss. For sunny days, we adore the Skeeta brim hat. This five-panel camp hat is the perfect grab-and-go companion. Made in a lightweight, water-repellent material, this hat is ideal for hiking, camping, and the beach. Whether you are cheering the kids on at a lacrosse game, exploring with your girlfriends, or simply walking in the woods with your loyal pub, Skeeta accessories are there to make Ski Mom life more fun. Save 15% off your order with code SKIMOMS15 at checkout. I like that. That's a good mantra and um, sort of moving meditation to to have. Uh, maybe when you're taking your first run of the day, maybe we can encourage all the ski moms the next time they get out there to have that um, gratefulness for movement and where they are in their ski journey right at this particular moment. Uh, women of all ages and abilities celebrating the playfulness that is skiing. So glad you're doing that because, um, you know, I, I have been there. I've felt like, and especially as I've seen my children zoom past me in ability very quickly, um, you know, I've had moments of feeling like, oh, I can't keep up or I can't do this. And I think last year I just felt like, you know what, if I'm a solid four, like number level four skier, great. And am I aspiring to do black diamonds? Like I've done some, some have been manageable. Some have been totally terrifying. Do I want to do them? Not really. I just want to like ski and have fun. So like, it's going to be all greens, maybe a few easy blues. Actually in advance of our trip, I said to each of my family members, I'm like, will you, you know, ski at least like one or two green runs with me. And they are delighted. Like and that kind of um, makes me think about um, one of the recent articles that you wrote. I think it was um, the gender bias in uh, salaries. 
Was this one of your uh, yeah, Slow magazine? But yes, you've done your oh, homework, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, I was reading your website earlier, but um, it, it reminded me of some of the things that Nicole and I have talked about as we brought this up. I did look this up. Forty-one percent of skiers are women, but when you think about everything we've talked about, you know, the marketing, the really the whole experience, obviously very male dominated. And, you know, I don't know if you had any ideas based on, you know, the other, the other um, aspects of this that you've thought about, about how women can, you know, move the needle and, and, you know, to be more, think about women more because 41% is actually higher than I would have guessed given what the industry looks like. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think maybe my like next level goal, maybe for next season, I think um, the more, so I love what you both are doing here with this podcast and Nicole, you've certainly been a trailblazer. Honestly, I think you have like created this niche, which is, which is amazing. Um, And I think the, the more we can because women are doing the planning, let's be honest, we've always known that. And they're doing the purchasing of the things and I'm coordinating all the things. And you know, but perhaps what I was thinking about for my personal level up and maybe something that women can put in their minds for the future is like, what about, you know, doing one of these women's ski weekends? I think Sugarbush is one of the places that has had that kind of opportunity. You know, what if we prioritize our relationships and connect in, you know, different ways through something amazing like skiing. So I think there are lots of opportunities. I don't know. I haven't dug into it, how many opportunities there are like that for women to connect around skiing on different mountains. But I think, you know, that would, that would just be amazing. And any opportunities where we've skied, uh, specifically, I'm thinking of Sugarbush and then also at Bolton, where we've actually connected with family friends on the mountain, there's just like something awesome and magical in, enjoying something like that together with people you care about. So if you can like widen that net and include other women in it too, like, I just think it's a win-win all around. Almost every mountain has something for women and we'll update the list of women's camps and and ski experiences that I've amassed. I usually get that going at the end of the year so people can anticipate for the upcoming year, but almost every mountain has them. And most mountains have a day of the week it's often women Wednesday that they have particular programs just for women and have from having done, done these camps, I will say there is such a level of comfort and camaraderie with skiing with women that it feels very safe to try new things. I had done a number of glade skiing only and only feel comfortable doing it with women's group. Because when I have a female instructor who tells me you're going to be fine in this particular glade, I know she means it. She's seen Mm -hmm. me ski and she's not trying to, you know, push me out of a level that she knows I'm comfortable with. Um, And I've really made some of my best growth experiences in my own skiing when I've been with other women skiing. So I really encourage to your point, other women to try this. And I also think you had a great nugget in there about when we plan our trips together. I have a group of classmates from Vanderbilt. And we often go to a beach when we do our our girls get togethers. And I believe everybody in the group has skied or skis, but why not plan one of our reunions or get togethers around a mountain experience? And we don't Mm -hmm. have to ski every day, but um, I think that, you know, there's, it's such a culture of guys trip skiing and there's not necessarily that same level of enthusiasm. They do exist, but it's much more rare. 
Yeah, I agree. And I think that's one of the super fun things about those trips that you have put together, Nicole, is that, you know, even though people are of very different levels, obviously, like whenever you get a group together, people are going to be of varied levels, but then, you know, you, you always, the base camp is always, you know, the base lodge or whatever it's, it's always there. So, you know, you might take a run with somebody or you might just ski alone and then you all come, you all, there's so many opportunities to come together and connect that, um, I, I guess I'm just mentioning that so people don't feel like, oh, I don't know anybody who's at my level. Like, you know, that's not the point. The point is just to find ways to come together and connect. And we had one of our guests, Christine Wells, that she was delighted by the fact that her friends who were very, she's a new, newer skier. She was very delighted by the fact that her friends who were experts we're happy to do a, a groomer with her and yes. they don't always need to be jumping off of things or back in the glades that they're really happy to take those groomers because they want to spend time with her. Yeah. So uh, most of your friends just want to spend time with you. It doesn't matter you know, what the color of the trail is. Yeah. Um, so really reminding people of that as well. Yeah. When I'm, I'm hoping I'll check the ski shops when we're, you know, on our trips this winter, but I wish I could remember where I saw it, but you know, in this, in the shop, I, we always go to the shop. We always like pick up shirts and whatever, got to support the shops. But you know, there was a shirt that had like the giant green circle and it said, I'm easy. And I'm like, if it's there, wherever we go this year, I'm getting the I'm easy shirt. <laughs> And I do, I do love, love seeing the little girls with the black diamonds that say I'm difficult because yeah. <laughs> we're all complex. I mean, yes, <laughs> I love those. They're, they're fantastic. Now, what about your opera ski game with your family? So are there rituals that you do at the end of the ski day? Yeah. I mean, we always love supporting whatever, you know, different mountains have different setups, of course, but if there are restaurants on site, we just love, we love actually when we've traveled, especially if it's been a longer journey, but really anywhere, we just love to park the car once and then like not use the car again until we leave again, leave at the very end of the trip. Um, so we usually will, you know, have dinner at, at, whatever restaurant is there. The great thing about some of the places in Vermont, I re actually remember Smugglers has um, like a nice, there are some nice restaurants like in very close driving distance if something's closed or you frequented and want something different. So yeah, we always, we always do, there's usually burgers or nachos or something like that involved and occasionally beer. Um, <laughs> so I think that'll be, that'll, that'll be quite fun. I, I do need to, I should look at your site, Nicole, for some, um, I feel like I need to up my apres ski wear. So, and I was interested to see that Athleta now has like an apres ski collection. I think people are catching on. Absolutely. And I do hope the area managers across the country are listening to this. And not only are the moms planning the trips, but listen to Christine, they buy the gear, they buy oh gear my gosh. when they're there, yes. they eat at the restaurants on site. We are the dream come true for ski resorts. Yes, actually, as a, and as a designer, Nicole, you know I'm picky, right? So I I would like like really awesomely designed women's stuff, and I will buy all the stuff. I think you know the more that people that the shops on the mountains can up their game, I, I'll buy all the things. Like <laughs> I want to support them, and so I'll buy all the things at the shop. <laughs> Well, I hope you and John do more and I hope we see you skiing and it brings me such joy to see the photos of your family um, when you're out in the snow. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Ski Moms Fun Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Head to the SkiMomsFun.com website to check out our swag and find out more about our community. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Ski Moms Fun. 
We'll be back next week with more interviews and insights. Thanks, Snow. No one works as hard as a ski mom. With Mother's Day right around the corner, we want to remind everyone to shop the Ski Moms gift guide for the best ideas. These are the gifts we want to give and get for Mother's Day. Prices range from under $10 for simple treats like notepads to big splurges like a new boot bag. Remember, the big day is Sunday, May 12th, so you want to shop now to make sure everything gets there in time for mom. Visit the SkiMomsFun.com gift guides page or click the link in show notes to see our picks for this year. Make it easy for your kids, partner, or spouse and just forward them the link. Or better yet, treat yourself to something from our expertly curated Ski Mom wish list. Remember, visit SkiMomsFun.com and look for the gift guide page. Thank you.